Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me. Today, we dive into the deep issue, and it's almost the dominant agenda of government data and technology. And what we will do today is explore the role of communication in encouraging the the uptake and the use of data and technology and indeed the explanation of data and technology as we look at issues such as privacy and other critical matters that communicators have to think about as they create and distribute content. And today, we'll be having that conversation with Kate Powell, who's the Communications Manager at Data61. Kate's been in communications now for over a decade. She started at a company called Red Balloon as their communications specialist. She then worked for the Australian Securities and Investment Commission. She then jumped back into the private sector, working for The Loop, Ernst & Young, and a PR agency called Sling & Stone, before coming back into the public sector to work as communications manager at Data61, which is part of the CSIRO uh, extension, uh, which focuses on innovation and data. And what Data61 has been asked to do is to assist government, NGOs, students, universities, and and others with their transition into this data-rich technology future. They've got more than 1,100 staff, over 400 resident PhD students, and they are certainly a digital research powerhouse. And Kate joins me on the line. Kate, thanks very much for joining me in transition. Thanks for having me, David. It's it's a fascinating place. Let, let's just talk about Data61 for a moment because it's only probably a few years old now and about the role that it, that it has at the moment in terms of, of doing that important research of, you know, that frontier stuff, trying to understand just exactly where society is going and what role not only government but others can play in terms of strengthening communities and, and improving the well-being of citizens. That's right, David. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we partner with uh, academia, so universities, government and industry as well. And at the core of what we do is basically data science, um, research and engineering. So we also build technology platforms. And what we're working towards is essentially transforming industries as data-driven research and technology. So um, what we talk about a lot at the CSIRO is about achieving impact, so societal, economic uh, and environmental impact as well. So we're always thinking about that combination of different factors. It's certainly grown, hasn't it, Data61? That's a lot more people than were, uh, that are there now than were only a few short years ago because eagle-eyed listeners to the In Transition podcast would remember Liz Jakubowski from Ribbit, which is one of the Data61 programs on – she was on probably oh, midway through last year and I don't think Data61 was anywhere near the size it is now. 
Yeah, so yeah, Liz has been with us for a while. Um, before uh, we were Data 61, uh, Liz was the head of government relations at NICDA, the National That's right. uh, ICT Institute of Australia, which um, merged with the um, productivity unit of the CSIRO to become Data 61. And um, yeah, that's right. So um, we have grown and we're really chugging along. We've got (laughs) um, a lot of major projects happening and um, uh, there's a lot of stories to tell. So we're always busy, which is great. I wouldn't have it any other way in comms. Yeah, indeed. So so (laughs) what role, you know, and that's the critical point I think that you've just uh, hit on. Your job is to tell the stories to inspire, you know, the community, but to inspire your partners to get involved, be they business or industry. So maybe if you could just sort of um, pull the kimono back a little bit and give us a bit of an understanding of, you know, the processes that you you go through to, to tell the story of Data61 so you can achieve those objectives that, that you do have. Yeah, so I think a key part of it is, as you mentioned, um, being part of the CSIRO, it's a 100-plus-year-old organisation and we want to make sure that we're um, staying relevant to, to voters and the next generation um, who are going to be paying their taxes and wanting to get behind um, you know, science uh, for Australia. So um, we're always thinking about uh, the, the public and, um, and stories that are going to affect them and that they'll be interested in. But also um, a large part of what we do is to try and position Data61 as the go-to um, innovation, data-driven innovation partner. So, um, I mean, we are fairly young and there's a lot of work to do around building our brand and also make, making sure that it's consistent across the organisation. So um, that, that means... Uh, a lot of internal communications and talking about um, how we talk about our brand and how we present that um, public, publicly and what we stand for and the, the kind of context that we're operating in. So you hear a lot of people talking about the fourth industrial revolution, the data economy, and what does that mean for Australia as a nation and what is Data 61's role that we're playing. So building brand recognition and expertise is definitely uh, one of the pillars of our um, communication strategy. The other is that we want to also increase the partnerships that we have um, with government and with industry and with universities as well. So that comes down to um, sharing those stories about um, science and technology excellence and impact and how we collaborate with our partners and being really clear about outcomes that we're delivering. And, um, yeah, and as I mentioned, there's that internal comms element, which is really important for a young organisation, um, making sure that staff are sort of informed about um, what's happening across the organisation, not just in Data61, but other business units. Um, yeah, so that's, that's probably the, the main pillars of what we're focused on as a uh, communications department within Data61. Okay, so let's talk about that internal communications and having staff understand, you know, the mission of the organisation, the vision of the organisation, understanding the values and the mantras that drive the behaviours. How do you go about, you know, telling that story in such a way that Data61 can be more cohesive? 
Yeah, so um, one thing that we're working on right now is um, putting together a brand book which uh, sort of tells that story that every um, person in Data61 gets a copy of it and it goes right through um, what's the shift that's happening right now globally and how is that impacting Australia, both in our economy as well as um, societal environmental implications. Um, then we talk about well, what, how can we respond and how can we as an entity help Australia move forward through, um, I guess, basically helping uh, reimagine Australian industry by applying data science and technology to those and to help solve those problems and to help make um, government services more efficient. How, how do we do that? So we talk through some of the ways that we, we partner um, with our partners to make that happen. And then... Um, it's also a combination of uh, making sure that your executive team is really behind that and that they're consistently communicating our vision and our values and um, how we collaborate with uh, other business units. One thing we often talk about is this concept of um, digital plus domain. So um, if you look at the CSIRO as an entity, it covers so many really important areas and the organisation brings with it um, incredible sort of domain expertise, whether that's around um, agriculture and food or health and biosecurity or advanced manufacturing. Um, so because a lot of industries are becoming data-driven, so you've got um, Apple, which is, which is moving into, you know, finance or, or healthcare, um, Tesla isn't just an energy company anymore. We're really seeing that, Digital and data is increasingly important um, and when that's combined with that domain expertise together, um, we can present a really united front as an organisation and bring that kind of collective um, expertise forward to help tackle some huge problems for Australia. It's an interesting challenge though, isn't it? Because as digital and data, as you say, sort of spreads um, horizontally and sort of really captures just about every area of the economy, the story that you're looking to tell becomes uh, a lot more complex. So so how do you manage that complexity? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the scope is absolutely huge. So um, do you mean as a comms team, how do we manage that? Yeah, or do you yeah mean- that is, yeah. As, 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 and I suppose you're looking for direction always from the executive to be obviously yeah. saying, look, this is the business that we're in. These are the focuses that we have. But obviously as, yeah. a, as an advisor to the executive, you're, you know, part of the role I imagine is that you've got to be taking ideas to them to be able to say, look, this story that we're telling at the moment, we're actually missing you know, this piece over here or we're missing that bit over there. So it just seems to me as, as you know, it, it's yeah. moving quickly and it's moving fast <laughs> and it's moving in, in, in many different directions. So I'm just inter- interested to know just as how do you sort of try to shape it and contain it in such a way and tell that story such that it's relevant to um, both internal audiences and external audiences? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. So there's a number of ways that we think about that. So we have our overarching thought leadership themes and we work very closely with Adrian Turner, who is our CEO on that. And usually that will frame um, sort of what we stand for as an organisation and how we, uh, I guess, how we want to be seen externally and what type of national issues we want to tackle. And then if you take it down 
to the next level. Looking at um, our business strategy, we have a, a pretty clear idea about what are the, the major technologies that um, we want to focus on as an organisation that um, essentially apply across lots of different areas of work that we do. So that'll be AI and machine learning, um, blockchain or distributed ledger technologies, cybersecurity, um, regulatory technology, um, and, the, and privacy is another really key one, robotics as well. So knowing and having that um, overarching strategy to guide us helps us then map out a program of activity that we know um, aligns with that. But then, of course, being a sort of central communications team, um, and I'm sure a lot of listeners who um, may be working in government as well would understand this, is that, of course, you have to be reactive, not just reactive in terms of responding to media inquiries that come through um, and making sure that you know the, the content that we're producing and the stories that we're pitching are, are relevant to the conversation that's happening now and we're getting that sort of share of voice on key topics, but also the team and all of the researchers are doing great work every week. And so they're coming to us and saying, we've got this really great announcement of this research paper is launched, so can we do something? So it, honestly, it is, it is a bit of a juggling act at times and it just comes down to having a really tight-knit schedule and then marking out in advance, okay, we're going to tackle this priority area this month and we're going to build a campaign around it and then we'll fit in the other announcements around that. So um, that's how we go about it. <laughs> but that's, that, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because if I come to you with my story, uh, it's the most important thing in the world to me because I've just spent the last two years working on this and this is really important, Kate, and I really need you to help me. How do you, if I'm not so important in terms of that wider um, framework um, and editorial calendar that supports the business, how do you how do you... I suppose, create alternative pathways that uh, um, to get that story out that take yeah. lesser reliance on, on yourself? Is there some guidance that yeah. you can give people? Definitely. Well, there's always um, – there are always options. So, I mean, I think the conversation is a fantastic medium. And, it, again, it depends on what their objectives are. I mean, the researcher might not be expecting national coverage. In fact, they might, they could be really satisfied to have a platform to speak about their ideas and you could line up, you know, a speaking engagement um, or we might get speaking opportunities come through that you can you can weave them into those. Or So it's not just always about put out a media release, expect national coverage. Like it's a conversation initially to get a sense of what they want to get out of it. But I mentioned the conversation before and it's a really great medium. It fits with a lot of our research because um, I, it's a platform where they like to work directly with the subject matter experts. So we'll, we'll work with our researchers to um, shape a story idea with them and then they can work with the conversation to, to, to make that happen and nine times out of ten they love the stories and they take them. So we've we found that that's been a really good solution. Mm. So it's about applying that light touch or more involved um, uh, time investment. But the other thing is that I think it's really important um, to just recognise when you've got a good story, like it doesn't have to be aligned to strategy, but it's a really good story for the brand. And you know that the public will think it's it's a feel-good story and like it's a good piece of research that makes a difference to people's lives. And you just have to 
go for it and drop things and move things around to make that happen. Now, um, just for our international listeners, I just explained that what Kate's referring to there with the conversation is a is a, a digital media platform that's run really for the university sector in Australia, and that's where a lot of the uh, researchers and, and and academics and teaching staff publish. Um, not only their research, but often opinion pieces where they're expert in. And I'd encourage anyone who hasn't ever been to the conversation to go and have a look because it is a, a classic example of what modern media is all about. Now that the factors of media production and distribution have been democratised, the university sector has said, okay, well, we can do it for ourselves. And they have done and are doing it. And they've supplemented with some... Um, Traditional media skills. I think uh, the, the person who started it, Andrew Jaspan, used to be the editor of the Age, and um, which is a big newspaper here in Australia. Michelle Grattan, who was a, a, a very experienced uh, political journalist, does their politics as well, and uh, they've even expanded now to the UK, taken the model overseas. So it's a it's a really great model, and I can understand why Kate uses it because it's uh, it's exactly playing into the place into the space that. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know the scientists at Data Sixty One would like to get their, their their stories out and into a very um, welcoming and and receiving environment. But perhaps, Kate, is it a bit given the currency of what you're involved in? You know, this notion of of data and technology and transfer transformation of of the economy. Is it shooting fish in a barrel a little bit for you that every time you toss a story out there, someone will pick it up? Um. I, I don't want to sound too overconfident and I'm not <laughs> there is genuinely a real um, positive res- response from the media in terms of wanting to hear about news stories from us um, and wanting to hear about what what we've got on so um, unless the, the only hurdle we can come across is when something is just so technical and niche that it that um, you know they <laughs> have trouble understanding it and what why it's relevant so that is one of the challenges of our role is to take really deep tech and to try and digest that and understand what that means and how it applies because sometimes researchers will be such subject matter experts in particular areas but when you ask them questions like okay so if we were to put ourselves in the shoes of someone in a particular organization or this type of member of the public and they're going about their daily life in this scenario how would it apply to them how would it affect them and they're like oh they haven't necessarily thought about it from that angle so you've got to draw it out and and um so that's the, the real key I think is is about making it relevant and making it not too simple that you're washing out the the ideas and and yeah but making sure that it's compelling and easy to, to relate to at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll come back to that because th- that's an interesting point that I do want to explore with you, that challenge of taking the technical and turning it into the compelling for perhaps non-technical um, audiences. But something you said a little bit earlier on, I'm just interested to explore, just going back to that discussion around uh, internal communication and mm. shaping up that corporate... Um, message from from the center you know this this is the story we want to tell this is the shape of the story you know we've got executive leadership but research tells us and we know that the most important person 
internally in terms of communication in any organization is the person that they directly report to. So how do you go about translating that sort of wider corporate internal message of brand, of priority and other things into a format that those direct supervisors of staff can can communicate that clearly and effectively to their staff? And the reason I ask is that we've just got a research report about um, a project that I'm working on and that's the problem I've got. So if you can solve that problem for me right <laughs> now, that'd be really good. Yeah, and um, and that is a really key um, part of employee engagement and it is something that comes out in, in employee service surveys, particularly when you've got an organisation um, which has, you know, over a 1,000 people in lots of different locations. Um, I think it's really important to have face-to-face communication and to give teams, including supervisors, the opportunity to ask questions and get feedback and also to give them pathways where they feel like they can raise issues and to get a response. So we have like monthly site leader updates where it's an opportunity for leaders to um, talk to teams about what's happening uh, across the organisation, whether that's achievements happening um, out of each of the different research programs or the engineering and design team. And um, they're also talking about, well, what is the priority um, from the perspective of the executive team and what does that mean for you right now? Um, And how can you get involved? So that that forum is a really um, key way that we engage uh, through uh, our leaders down to the rest of the organisation and also get their, their input. So there's a, that big responsibility for, for those leaders to translate, uh, you know, the, the messages that are, you know, the organisation, corporate, central messages. How, what sort of support do you give those, those immediate supervisors to be able to communicate effectively? Are, are you providing them with resources or, you know, giving them some guidance as to how this may translate to the day-to-day work of, you yeah, know, a so scientist? Sorry, yeah, we're... we're very heavily involved in um, preparing the messaging and the material for those site leader updates to make sure that it's easy to digest um, and that it's easy to understand and providing that lens. Um, we also play a very key role in sort of telling the stories as well of what, what's happening across the organisation with our monthly newsletter. We do a lot of box pops and videos. Um, so we've been getting our... Our CEO Adrian uh, Turner out there by um, just shooting some quick videos, probably about once a month, where he'll pick a couple of key topics to talk about. Um, for International Women's Day, we got we got um, different women from across the organisation talking about their work and why it matters and why they're proud of it and what sort of difference they're making in their fields, including Liz Jakubowski from Ribbit, who's fantastic. So um, in terms of how we support the teams, I think that also comes down to providing um, different types of content and opportunities um, for team members to talk about what they do. Do you, do you train them to be better communicators? Do you train them to, to acquire the skills to be able to lead and communicate effectively with their staff? 
for, from a comms perspective, we don't currently do that. Um, what we do do uh, in my team is do media training and also uh, on an ad hoc basis if we're working with teams on um, promoting their work, we'll talk through um, how best to communicate that and, and provide guidance. Um, in the lead up to our annual showcase event, which is called D61 Plus Live, uh, it's on in Brisbane on the 18th and 19th of September, um, we we have a lot of um, demo booths where our teams uh, talk about their, their work and their projects and um, we'll, we'll brief them beforehand with things like elevator pitches and how to, how to give that quick um, punchy summary um, of their work and their ideas in a way that relates to, you know, people in government or people in business. Um, so that's, that's one way that we'll, um, we'll we'll get a lot of them together and and um, and tackle that before mm. the, the event. Yeah. And then, how do you track how effective your internal communications is? Yeah. So we track that. Um, we have an annual employee survey. So we're looking at a number of different measures as part of that, um, and that gives us a good indication of um, how effective our internal comms channels and content has been. Um, so that becomes a really good uh, sort of longer-term tool for measurement. But we also um, look at things like anecdotal feedback, uh, the turnout for events, and um, and we're looking at like page views and click-through rates and um, open rates um, for our online content as well and our newsletter. So um, we're looking at it from a range of different perspectives. So how big a team do you have there at um, Data61 to manage both the internal and the external? Because what you've described just, you know, as an internal communication exercise for a, a thousand plus people, it's a, it, it's a lot of work just doing the internal stuff without thinking That's about, right. you know, you're managing the hottest issue uh, in the economy at the moment with audiences <laughs> spread from school children all the way through to seniors and, you know, evolving living environments for people in retirement? Yeah, so um, I have one part-time internal comms person in my team. <laughs> um, and the rest of my team includes a social media and content manager um, who's fantastic. I also have a media relations advisor and uh, I have... Um, uh, someone who works on events and sponsorship and sort of broad marketing support. Um, and then we, we work with an external PR agency called Sling and Stone. Um, so uh, I think, you know, between us, we, we actually cover a lot. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how we run it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds sounds like a, a, a lot to do um, for, for a pretty small team, really. So how... How important is it that you get your planning right, um, and and that you have the coverage of a of an annual sort of strategic plan, which can guide your activity and therefore give you some protection against you know scope creep and other things that are inevitable when you know some of your leadership has another great idea. Yeah, I think it's really important to have your strategic plan in place and to get buy-in from the right people. But I also think that you have to be realistic and flexible. Um, and you know, things change. There might be there might be different issues that um, become 
part of the government's agenda and we have and, and that presents a huge opportunity for us and so we need to shift and adapt and shuffle things around um so and and the same goes in terms of you know industry collaborations if we're getting feedback from the market around particular areas then um we need to be fluid and we need to incorporate that as well. But in saying that, having the strategy provides the framework. Like you mentioned, um, you know, we, we fall back on that and we use that as a guide. Um, but we also, in terms of weekly, daily management, have a um, we have the week ahead schedule, which is great. We, we also have um, our social media schedule, our internal comms schedule, lots of schedules. But yeah. we're looking at it on a, on a weekly basis as well yeah. and months ahead. So how important is, is visual content for telling the story of Data61? Yeah, it, it's really important and um, we want to be doing more of that. In fact, um, on social media we find that visualisations are one of our most um, engaging forms of content that we can put out there. So... Um, it's definitely an important part of what we're doing. We're working on launching our own content hub called Algorithm, which should go live in the next month or so. And um, that's going to be a platform where we can host all different kinds of content. So we'll be um, similar to MIT's Media Lab. They have they like to feature their people and their, their researchers um, in the lab um, working on, on their projects. And we want to do the same thing. Um, we have a lot of great opportunities to capture visual content. But at the same time, we also have a lot of um, work that we do like blockchain-based research or regulation as a platform, which when you think about it is you're trying to depict processes and technology that sort of runs behind the scenes. So thinking about ways to bring that to life um, can be challenging but interesting. So, blockchain. <laughs> I was going to say, regulation <laughs> as a platform. Mm, okay. Or I can watch the latest hot thing on Netflix. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, like, for blockchain, um, if you take using blockchain for the supply chain, we, we thought, well, how can we bring this to life? Supply chain is quite, quite a boring idea. But we, we created an animation looking at um, how do you track um, beef from paddock to plate, um, looking at food provenance and the whole issue of counterfeiting. And, it, yeah, it was just a really easy process to bring to life um, to show how blockchain can be used to track um, the progress of beef at every step of the way with different suppliers. I had a conversation yesterday with with a young person who's sort of coming into the industry, and they they are asking me about skills. You know, what what are the what are the critical skills that I need to have to be able to to, to have an impact? So, just what what advice do you give to to young people who are thinking, okay, this idea of of content and, and creating content, distributing content, telling stories. Um, you know, Data61 to me is a great example of public sector communication and the value that it can have and the impact that it can have by explaining, you know, the wonderful, brilliant work that's being done by our scientists and the excitement that you can get with that because it is so interesting. So what what pieces of advice do you hand out to, to I'm sure, many people who, who ask you that question? So from a communications perspective, um, 
Yeah, I would say that it's important not to think too much in a traditional sense. So um, our social media and content manager, Kitan, his background is in neuroscience and psychology and he came from the energy sector and he's also really interested in data. And I didn't hire Kitan because of his straight out social media skills, although he is an influencer in his own right, I guess. He's got like over 11,000 Twitter followers. But it's more about his way of thinking and how he applies that to um, that. He's got a great level of curiosity and a great ability to analyse issues and communicate them in a range of different ways using data, writing, filming people. So I think it's about having... Um, as a communicator, a diverse set of skills. So from my own experience, um, I never wanted to just do only media relations. I wanted to make sure I'd done a bit of corporate video. Um, I wanted to uh, do some courses on employee communication. So I did those. Um, I did some growth hacking um, in my job at Loop. Um, that was like a bootstrap startup. So that was all about digital marketing and writing a blog and email campaigns, business development and partnerships and events. So I feel like if you can try and as much as you can, um, just work across a range of different things. Don't just think, okay, I'm in comms, therefore, you know, I only do this or that or I'm only in marketing and I'm just going to focus on that specific area, try and branch out a bit and then that can inform, I don't know, more ways of working and bringing stories to life. Mm. Well, Kate, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. So many wonderful insights there about, you know, that in, in critically important task of internal communication. So how do you drive cohesion and understanding so is that the people who work in an organisation can drive towards those overarching e- objectives, particularly in this critically important area of um, data and technology uh, as it transforms, as you say, pretty much every area of the economy. And then that understanding of taking these wonderfully complex, technical, important stories and finding them and putting them in such a way that they can be understood from school children to to people in retirement. So it's a, it's a, to me, this is just a classic... Um, public sector communication opportunity and it just demonstrates to me once again just why this is such an exciting place for people to to work in, such a great sector to work in. So thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thanks for having me. And there you go, ladies and gentlemen, Kate Powell from the communications manager there at Data61. And as I say, this is why public sector communication, government communication is so interesting. It is just... It's, it's, it, Kate mentioned it early. There was that key word that she mentioned very, very early in, in the interview where she spoke about impact. And this is why there is so much, you know, relevance and purpose and intent to the work that we do. So wonderful stories there by Kate and fantastic to think that they're being able to do what they can do with such a small team. I think that's such an, again, an important part of, of where we're at in, in the stage of what we're doing. And that insight there towards the end, you know, Satan coming from, you know, neuroscience and 
and um, and psychology with that sort of background coming in and bringing in a different sort of a view on how to tell this story about data and technology to not only the Australian people but you know displaying Australian ingenuity to the world. So very exciting stuff. So wonderful, great interview, uh, great talent, and uh, uh, I'd, I'd encourage everyone to go and have a look at Data Sixty One and see what they are doing because they are obviously doing a fantastic job. So anyway, thank you very much for turning up once again and I will be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it is bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.